CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, what's that, Ben? Uh, you lost the uh, every single thing we went over before the show today? Oh, typical Friday. Uh, we had a great pre-show prep, ladies and gentlemen. It was just classic. I wrote it down on, a, uh, on the newspaper, and I don't have the newspaper with me. Uh oh! Every Friday, yo D, what you got, man? Like, oh, it's not gonna matter. You're gonna forget all of it. No, come on, I'll remember. And here we are. You've lost all of it. Uh, I did remember this. First Tuesday, first Tuesday, Tuesday at the hideout, six thirty. Be there, Judge Timothy Evans. Yes, the head of the Cook County Circuit. He'll be there, and he'll be talking all things judicial, politics, and. You know who he'll get his he'll get his thoughts on what David Brown is trashing him, the police chief, blaming the judges for crime in Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's kind of letting David Brown carry that one, but anyway, Judge Timothy Evans, six thirty, hideout, thirteen fifty four West Wabansia. There you go, D. And it's hard to believe that event he's talking about is this coming Tuesday. July flew by. Yeah. Uh oh. What? See, hear that? That's the sound of July flying by. That's now. Here's July flying by as a bird. Oh my! (laughs) You don't hear that in the Joe Rogan show, do you? You don't hear that on the New York Times podcast. You don't hear that on Joe Rogan. You don't hear that on any podcast. A brand new sound effect: time flying by. And birds of time flying by, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. WBEZ, my resume is stacked in there. BEZ's like, oh my God. Hire me, please. These sound effects. Your, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, July 30th is just moments away. Oh, by the way, we're calling this Oh, What a Week It Was, Lala Politefoot. <laughs> you know, that's new because I know I would remember that from the pre-show prep planning meetings. So you don't remember great. anything from the meetings. Quit lying to people. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, July 30th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor are sponsors, the Chicago Teachers Union are sponsors, Stacey Davis Gates, what up? SDG. Uh, SDG. SDG. Come on, everybody. <laughs> All right. And, of course, the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pod to smoke. It's true. They talk about that, too. And columns, like political ones, from our very own Ben Jarofsky. ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. There you can be... um, Become, become a binhead. I'll get there, guys. And uh, hey, uh, I've been forgetting about this the last few weeks, but I remembered this week. Ben, you have a song of the day or a oh. week, song of the week. Wow. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> it comes. <laughs> you have a song of the week. It comes from Frank. Oh, good lord, Frank! Why this song? <laughs> Yakety yak by the Coasters. Oh wow, I like Yakety yak. Don't talk back. And then the trash. 
that's the base. Did, 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 did your money back? Yakety yak. Don't talk back. All right. I won the bet. That sucked. <laughs> hey, wait. I, I didn't get to be in that bet. I would I would have bet that it sucked, too. <laughs> the Ben Jarosky Show starts now. It is Friday, July 30th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh What a Week It Was, Lala Politefoot. And the singing wasn't that bad. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Io Sunmo Friday, and here's why. Because the Chicago Bulls drafted Io DeSumo last night, and I was very excited. Woo, woo. I know we're not supposed to talk sports on the Ben Jarofsky show, so I won't spend a lot of time talking sports. But come on, D. I was very excited. First question people said, Ben, the name is spelled A-Y-O. Shouldn't it be pronounced A-O? No, it's Io. Okay? No one is asking that. (laughs) I know. By the way, that is so true. And if I may. The sports coverage in this town is so tilted. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to get this. My beloved bright one, home delivered every day, the Chicago Sun-Times, is like six pages of news on the Bears. The Bears are in summer training. I don't know. What do you you call it? It's not spring training. It's summer training. This season hasn't even started yet. There's like articles about the tight end. The tight end. He met with other tight ends. Who cares? Chicago Bulls was draft night. At least it's sometimes at two pages. The Tribune, which is so sad, the what Alden Hedge Fund is doing to the Tribune every day, it shrinks even more. That's me, the sound effect of the shrinking. Um, You're overwhelming us all with these sound effects today. Right now, Joe Rogan's producer's going, damn, how do we keep up with this? Uh, that's false. This, podca- <laughs> this podcasting grind. How can we keep up with this sound effects? It's really sad anyway. Not, not one article. I'm looking at the uh, tribunal today in the sports section. It's really sad. They're just shrinking, doing buyouts. Really sad. You know what? I got mixed feelings in that D, though. Because on the other hand, the paper, <laughs> for years and years, I complained that it was filled with so much misinformation and disinformation and propaganda for whatever stupid idea the mayor of the city of Chicago was promoting. So, you know, you should think I don't care. This is a cry for help. A schizophrenic moment in my life, of which I have many. You know, it's it's sort of like that joke about the Catskills. The two ladies are eating at the Catskills. And the one lady goes, God, this food is awful. And the other lady says, yes, in such small portions. Anyway. Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> it's a Woody Allen joke. Everybody's going, Ben, don't quote Woody Allen. Oh, man. Oh, I didn't say it was Woody Allen. I, I just had to confess later. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of how I feel about the Tribune. The coverage is terrible, but I miss it. Anyway, Tribune is really uh, shrunk. But uh, welcome to Chicago, uh, Io. Even though you're not really left, you never uh, left Chicago. He's a native of Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Well, I think he was born in a hospital outside of Chicago. Point is, he grew up in Chicago on the south side, went to Morgan Park High School. So I'm very excited about that, D. Now, I know that's the end of the sports conversation for today, unless I get distracted and do more Bulls tangents. Oh, and that will happen. (laughs) So without further ado, I turn things over to... The man, the myth, the legend, 
the guy who's known to eat those Alton peaches. <laughs> I didn't even know they had peaches in Alton. This is I, a new feature in the bench, right? They have peaches everywhere, but. <laughs> yeah, but Alton is known for his peach. Jen Walner's on the show. Uh-oh. Hello, Ben? Guys, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. You never know what you're going to get on a live Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, no, I was talking about Alton Peaches, and it just crashed. I just want to make one more uh, apology to Google D for anything I may have ever said that may have offended them in any previous life. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. I love you, Google. And I am embarrassed to say I have anything to do with AOL. All right. That, I think that should cover us for the rest of the show, D. Uh, anyway, just finished my thought. Alton is the home for great peaches, and Dennis is from Alton, and so now we're calling him Peachy. That's his new nickname. Oh, I kind of like that one. That one's sweet. (laughs) Okay, we'll call him Peachy. And they named a song about him. It's really popular in Alton. It's called Apple's Peaches. Oh, please. Let's keep the younger audience listening. Let's just get to the news. All right, let's get to that news. All right, how's it going, everybody? Yes, a lot of new sound effects happening today on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Let's see. Someone's calling you out. I think it's a row. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's Doogie. Doogie's calling you out, saying your sound effects are starting to sound the same here. Uh, your birds sounded a little like a seal. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Caw, caw. And this is a, that's a bird, and this is a seal. Oh, Joe Rogan, here we come, buddy. Watch out. <laughs> Rogan's like, whoa, I, I heard the difference. Oh, that seal's crazy. That seal's unbelievable. <laughs> that seal's crazy. By the way, come on, D. Let's what? just, before we go for Oh, boy. Okay. Give, yeah, give yeah. me a Jimmy Dore imitation. Come on. Give me a Jimmy Dore imitation. Yeah, uh, rumor has it. Uh, rumor around uh, the water cooler is that uh, we have a chance, a little bit of chance to get Jimmy Dore on the program. <laughs> uh, left uh, Lefty commentator on YouTube. And Ben's like, uh, yeah, let's just ruin it right now. So do an impression of Jimmy Dore. Hey, Jimmy Dore here. Jimmy Dore. Hey, Jimmy Dore here. <laughs> So if you're listening to Jimmy Dore, there you go. That, that window open, throw out. Everything from the bird, the bird imitation, the plane imitation. But let's be Jimmy honest. Dore. The fact that when the show just dropped out immediately, that's when he was not. He's that's when we lost right it. Right now with his assistant. Uh, please. Oh, my God. What's next? Cable TV? All right, everybody. How's it going? It is Lollapalooza weekend. Ah, let's get crazy. Can you feel it in the air? Or wait, is that the Delta variant? I'm not sure what it is, but I know what you're wondering, everybody. Is our host, Ben Jarofsky, going to Lollapalooza? Well, he says he isn't, but I have a feeling he's lying to every single one of us. I think he's going, because behind the scenes, this man loves him some Lala. He's gone every year since it started, and he's been feeling a little froggy lately. He did just go out in public to a live event without a mask. Holy <laughs> crap. Ben, fess up, buddy. You going to Lollapalooza or what? All right. I have a confession to make. I was there yesterday. Yeah, I was the guy in the mosh pit. <laughs> uh, no. I got to keep the streak alive, D. The streak of never having gone to Lollapalooza. Okay? It's now... 20 years and counting, and I will not be there this year. But I'm kind of changing my attitude. I've become really? more nihilistic about, yes. Oh, for the worse. Yeah, yeah. I've just become more nihilistic about everything. I've decided that, you know, what the hell. Every day there's a new update 
from the government regarding uh, the pandemic and what works and what doesn't work. Uh, the, I don't want to tease, but I listened to the interview with uh, uh, Gary Raybine. There you go. Get it right. There you go. Raybine. There you go. Only took six <laughs> months. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who would I vote for if I were in the Republican Party and I had to vote for a gubernatorial candidate? Anyway, I was listening to Gary Raybine gubernatorial candidate from the on the Republican side, <laughs> ducking and dodging Mark Maxwell's great questions uh, about the the, uh, the pandemic and what's the pr- proper precaution. Uh, D, I'm just so confused right now. I have my shots. I got my mask. I go for my walks. I think I'm just going to hunker down for a little while. Yeah. Hunker in yeah. the bunker. Hunker in the bunker. But I did on um, I lost track of time. Wednesday. I went to the Reader Fundraiser, an excellent fundraiser it was. And there weren't any masks in sight, but everybody was assuring everybody else that they uh, had the shot. So I felt, oh, all right. But now I was like, I just read an article in the paper that says you can still pass the disease even if you don't have the shot. I don't know what to do anymore, D. <laughs> yeah, so break. not going to Lollapalooza. Breakthrough cases, they're calling them? Yeah, breakthrough. Breakthrough to the other side, Jim Morrison. Okay. <laughs> Once again, got to keep those young people listening. All right, let's get some references after the 70s. Okay. Uh, well, uh, before we get uh, going with the news, Ben, here's something I haven't said in about, oh, eight months. We have voicemails to play. Yes, it's true. Someone called The Ben Jarofsky Show, and you could do the same. 708-658-4788. That number again is 708-658-4788. Call The Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail. There's a good chance we're going to play it on the on the show, just like we're about to do now. Uh, I believe uh, we have two voicemails, both from our dear friend Doogie on the live stream chat. Let's hear what Doogie has to say. Oh, hey, um, you know what? I think Ben is wrong. Uh-oh. I hate to say it, Ben's wrong. But uh, the porta potty has changed to red. And it's got a sign on it that says, Office of Darren Bailey. Oh! <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Actually, he's, I was fooled, D. He goes, The porta potty turned to red. I'm like, Does he know something I don't know? <laughs> he so looked I- outside. I, you see, I, I actually, st- dude, you got me. I actually, st- you fooled me. You faked me. It's like in high school when guys used to point at the table and you would look down and go, fooled you. No, they would go, duh. We were a very mature bunch. That was nice. Duh. Anyway, I looked out the window. You fooled me, Doogie. It's, it's still orange. But uh, I get the joke. For those new to the program, uh, Ben Drofsky does his show live from his attic. And outside of his attic, right in the back alley, there's a porta potty. It's been sitting there literally for over a year. Uh, and uh, it's not going anywhere. Uh, maybe a health hazard, but it's still orange. <laughs> it's not going. And, and it's related to a construction project that um, has been stalled. Let's just put it that way. And the construction project has ended, but the porta potty remains. The tourist attraction, by the way, Dave. There are buses that come up and look at that. Tour. All right. We'll see if we can play Doogie's uh, voicemail a little later. Once again, you could call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Be like Doogie. 708-658-4788. 
888. All right, now let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. A lot of city news to get to, and we'll get to it, don't worry. But first, let's get local. Trent Ford, weekly Illinois climate report. <laughs> Go! From the Illinois State Water Survey at the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State climatologist Trent Ford. Jesus. This week reminded us that we're still in the heart of summer. Average temperatures this past week range from the high 70s to low 80s across the state, between 1 and 6 degrees above average. Most stations saw at least one day with a high in the 90s, including highs of 99 in Rock Island, 95 in McHenry, and 94 at O'Hare Airport. Okay. The heat was coupled with very high humidity as several stations recorded dew point temperatures in the low 80s, including an 83-degree dew point temperature in Belleville. Guys, I promise one day we'll get through the whole thing, but today is not the day. My God, that's boring. <laughs> Hold on. Just got a phone call from Jimmy Dore. Uh, never coming on this show. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'll have you know, here. I will have you know that Trip Ford is becoming very popular on the live stream chat. Every Friday, people are like, where's Trent? Hey, man, where's Trent? <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna make a suggestion to Jimmy Dore and Joe Rogan. Guys, you might want you might want to emulate the Ben Jarowski show and play a little trend for it. Just saying, may help the ratings a little bit. <laughs> like your ratings need any more help than they already have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> give us advice on how to get better. Ben, what are the chances of getting Trent uh, Trent Ford on the show for a one-on-one interview? And what are the chances? He knows how heavily featured he is on this program. <laughs> I, I doubt very much he knows. Uh, I just have a feeling that wherever Trent Ford operates out of, uh, our show does not like play well among that demographic. Uh, so I don't think he's ever heard of us, nor does he know uh, that we uh, feature him so often. Can we ever get him on the show? <clears throat> if you reach out to him, play up the downstate angle, talk about Peaches and Alton, and uh, yeah, we might get him on. Yeah, we now you're just assuming he's from downstate. Well, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. Could <laughs> be a city man. <laughs> Oops. Uh, let's just edit that out. Oh, I tell you, you upstaters just love to <laughs> stereotype us downstaters, don't you? What we talk about weather and boring things. We must be from downstate, huh? Well, I, I habita habita. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I just, I. Uh, let's uh, move on. Find Trent Ford at a peach orchard near you <laughs> in Alton. No. All right. So uh, it was a busy week for our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. Yes, he's running for re-election. We talked about it all last week. And no, I don't have any Pritzker 2022 gubernatorial campaign news. All right. So I'm very sorry for that. The enemy is oh, you. Totally unnecessary, J.B. Pritzker. <laughs> Just your run-of-the-mill governor stuff this week for uh, Pritzker. He signed a package of bills to support the LGBTQ plus community. Governor, please tell us more about these bills. The likes of which swept the nation during the earlier years of the AIDS crisis. Research has shown these laws don't decrease infection rates, but they do increase stigma. It's high time that we treat HIV as we do other treatable, transmissible diseases. And State Rep. Ann Williams? Marriage certificate is so much more than a piece of paper. It reflects the foundation of a partnership, the foundation of a family. It's a symbol of love and commitment to a partner. It should accurately reflect who you are. Very nice. Mm. Uh, I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Ann Williams. She's my state rep. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to J.B. Pritzker for signing that legislation. Uh, but I am now going to go in the other direction and tell and say, I know I may, I may be preempting something you have planned for later in the show, D, in which case we'll repeat it because I'm sure I will not have run out exhausted. I should say everything I have to say in this topic. 
Very disappointed that J.B. Pritzker did not have a signing ceremony uh, for the elected school board bill. Elected school board bill, as longtime listeners of the show uh, know, is the bill uh, that took like 50,000 years to uh, pass. It's the bill that changes the school board in Chicago from being appointed by the mayor uh, to being elected by the people. It's a step in the direction of democracy. And as such, it was roundly denounced by every single powerful person in the city of Chicago. Corporate, corporate leaders, editorial leaders, civic community, outraged by it. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, said it was going to uh, destroy the city's finances. Uh, more or less is what she said. And the Sun-Times, in one of the most embarrassing editorials ever written, said that immediately test scores would plummet. That's the sound of test scores plummeting. And property taxes would uh, rise. That's the sound of property taxes rising. And moving vans would come up throughout the city as kids exited. Beep, beep. Oh, boy. (laughs) What a joke, sometimes editorial. So Pritzker, he saw it was unpopular with a lot of people, a lot of powerful people in the city of Chicago. And he said, ugh. I'm just going to quietly sign it <laughs> and pretend I didn't and then have a ceremony honoring LGBTQ legislation. Slick move, JB. Yeah. But come on now. Come on, JB. You're better than that. Yeah, it's funny. When you're a billionaire, you kind of pay attention to the things he doesn't spend money on, too, right? He's not going to spend millions on a commercial saying, uh, talking about the elected school board. You know what oh. I mean? Oh, you're absolutely correct. I do not imagine that will be coming to a J.B. Pritzker commercial uh, anytime soon. And the Sun-Times article was pretty open about it. Uh, they, were, they basically said that... Um, You know, Lori Lightfoot made it clear that she didn't want him to go public with it. And he was out of respect to the mayor. Like what? D, I'm sure there were people who were against the LGBTQ bill. What? Out of respect to them. He didn't forego the public ceremony. I'm sure every single bill he signs, there are people who object to it. But uh, he doesn't care about them. You know, so like. I, I don't know. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you choose between the two. And um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, in my humble opinion, uh, was a bad decision, I think, on her part to fight so hard against it. She won't even be in all, If she follows up on her promise, D, to be, uh, we'll get into this a little later. Tease, I remember this from pre-show. I remember this from pre-show. Will Lori Lightfoot run again? But if she, let's say she does run, and she just follows up on her promise to be a two-term uh, mayor, and that's it. She won't run for a third term. She won't be around for it. You know, so why why the big fight? Oh, I know. Could it have be something to do with the fact that, that the Chicago Teachers Union is a big proponent of it? God, they hate the Chicago Teachers Union in this town so much. I'm going to have to bring this up. If Jimmy Dore comes on the show, I want to know what Jimmy Dore thinks about the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, it's just, but they're reviled in this town. So because they endorse an elected school board, J.B. Pritzker uh, will sign the bill to let this teachers union know that it's going to sign a piece of legislation that they want, but he won't have a public ceremony. You know, because he doesn't want to offend uh, Lori. And by the way, D, at the public ceremony could say something like, you know, Madam Mayor, I know you're against this, but give it a try. It may work. He wants to pretend like 
He didn't really support it while he signs it to support it. I don't know, Dave. You know what? We always talk about mixed messages that the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, the United States of America sends about the pandemic. I would say this is a mixed message. You know, the bill passes overwhelmingly among Democrats. It was opposed by Republicans because the one thing that Lori Lightfoot and Republicans see eye to eye on is they despise the Chicago Teachers Union. So it was passed with overwhelming Democratic support. Every poll that we've ever had in the city of Chicago shows that it's widespread support. Certainly it it gets a huge vote in a referendum. So all there's so much support for it in the city of Chicago, but Mayor Lori Lightfoot is against it. So I guess in the equation that dictates whether you have public ceremonies on these things, D, Mayor Lori Lightfoot equals like 200,000 Chicagoans. It's like Mayor Lori Lightfoot, 200,000 Chicagoans. So that means he signs it, but he doesn't have the... It's kind of... A, it's, it's sending a mixed message. It's sending like, yeah, we believe in democracy, but we don't want to call attention to it. And they're going to be working to sabotage this thing from the moment it, it, it is instituted. And I... D, in 10 years, if I'm still around, touch wood, you watch... There'll be a move by a powerful mayor to get rid of the elected school board. Just like in 1989 or 90, when they passed the decentralization bill, ancient history that no one remembers except for me. And they took the power away from the central authority and the mayor, and they put it in control of local school councils. Within six years, the powers that be in the city of Chicago said, "Uh uh-uh, we got to get rid of this. And they gave all the power to the mayor. Uh, And then ever since then, wow. What great schools we have. You can't tell me in any substantive way that the Chicago public schools are any different today than they were in 1981 when I moved here. There may be a little more money in the coffers, maybe, you know. But you can't tell me in any substantive way they're different. Basically, achievement is dictated by the family's wealth. Oh, there's a shocking revelation. So... I could go on and on, but I know you want to move on to other topics. I'm well, just you saying, did JD, just you jump ahead about seven stories. Uh, we got <laughs> much more to get to. More on the elected school board coming up in moments. Uh, ben has plenty to riff on about it. But hey, Pritzker also signed a package. Uh, let's see. Oh, we talked. He signed legislation to let special education students turning 23 years old to finish out the school year. Let me be clear with everybody that school districts are potentially going to be held liable uh, if they don't live up to the standard that is set by the CDC and by the state. And Representative Fran Hurley, is it? And so school districts need to decide, are they going to, at this moment, are they going to potentially be subject to liability for not following those recommendations? Where's Fran Hurley? It was just Pritzker again. (laughs) Uh, Your thoughts on that, Ben? Again, I applaud him. Here, here. Could have used that legislation when I was in high school. Uh, and uh, But again, 
I'm not feeling the public ceremonies for the politically acceptable legislation that doesn't offend the powerful interest in the city of Chicago and the quiet. Oh, we're going to sign this from the porta potty outside of Ben's. <laughs> I've seen several legislation get signed in that porta potty. It's weird. Uh, it's, oh, the only one I know is the uh, elected school board bill. And on Thursday, he signed a package of affordable housing legislation. How much funding is it, JB? That's funding for 3,500 new rental units and thousands of families whose lives will be changed for the better as a result of the work of the General Assembly. Will Gazzardi, the floor is yours. What we're saying is that, yes, housing may be a commodity, but it's time for government to step in and make sure that the prices of that commodity are within reach for every family who needs it. We are tipping the scales. Yes, find him over by the gluten-free funnel cake at Lollapalooza. Be the guy with the sleeveless Wilco shirt on, Will Gazzardi. <laughs> Will Gazzardi, of course, just a state rep from Logan Square, uh, hipster heaven in the city of Chicago. And uh, yes, there's no doubt in my mind that the hipster state rep is definitely a Lala fan and definitely loves Wilco. Is Wilco playing at Lala? No, year, no. He's, I heard he's gonna. he's got like petitions going to get him. <laughs> And Arcade Fire. Boy, he loves that band. <laughs> yeah, so uh, again, I guess they must have run that by Lori Lightfoot. Hey, Madam Mayor, is it okay if we have a ceremony? Oh, okay. Can we invite Will Cazardi? Yeah, only if he wears his I Love Wilco t-shirt. Hey, where the hell's Fran Hurley? <laughs> <laughs> not, not found. All right. In other Illinois news, we have an update on the recreational cannabis license lottery. And for once, I think we may sound optimistic about yes. it. Uh, but with our host, well, you never know. So, you know, he'll surprise <laughs> us sometimes. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Tommy, I smoked two joints in the time of peace and two in the time of war. I smoked two joints before I smoked two joints. And then I smoked two more. Guys, it's Tommy Two Joint Shuba. Following a year of acrimony and delays, state officials on Wednesday announced that 53 firms entered in the state's first pot shop lottery had earned the rights to 55 lucrative licenses. The winners, selected from 626 finalists, include some firms already linked to the state's pot industry and what appears to be a host of new players. Finally, two more lottery drawings for 130 additional licenses will be held next month, giving other firms in the pool over nine. 900 total applicants, more opportunities to score. I see what you did there, Shuba, with the rhyming. Tommy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and one of those winners is a dear friend of the Benny J Show. It's former state senator Ricky Three Joints Hendon. <laughs> the former state senator who had served as an advocate for jilted applicants last year. His company, Westside Visionaries LLC, scored a highly sought-after license in a region that covers Chicago. Uh, but for some, Wednesday's announcement was bittersweet. We'll get to that in moments. But Ben, your thoughts on uh, Ricky Hendon? Well, Ricky Hendon is a dear friend of this show and uh, a great guest, in my humble opinion, uh, very uh, opinionated uh, and a very funny guy who knows a lot about Chicago politics. We don't always see eye to eye. That is putting it mildly. And don't get him started on Ray Lopez. (laughs) Yeah, don't get him started. Uh, I've already sent him a text congratulating him. Uh, I think it's great that he got this. D, remember he came in, it was like we were back in the studio in 2019, pre-pandemic, and he was just 
filled with enthusiasm about getting this license. He was for the legalization of reefer folks long before it's fashionable. So I say here, here that he gets it. And I know there's some good government folks out there uh, who think there's something wrong that a former state senator would uh, get a license. And I would say, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on, you better government types. I think, you know, what, does he give up? any opportunity to do anything with the state because he was a former state senator. I, I, I think you BGA types are taking it a little too far. And you could say, I can hear the comeback, Ben, you just like Ricky Hennig because he's a great guest. Well, you know, there may be some of that, but he did, he fought probably as hard as anybody uh, to make sure that black people got uh, a piece of this pie. And that's ultimately what this is all about. I can't say this enough. Black people paid the greatest price in the war and drugs, which was one of, ah, what's the word for it? Stupid, misguided, <laughs> you know, destructive federal policies of my lifetime. Uh, and so black people paid the price for it. So they should get some of the goodies when officially we uh, retreat from the war on drugs. And then, of course, somehow or other, when they were, the goodies were passed out, no black people got anything. So Ricky Hendon was uh, on the front lines yelling and screaming about it. And now he's got a license and I hope he makes a lot of money selling reefer to white people. There you go, D. How oh, about that? There we go. And for those wondering, uh, oh, Ben, you just like him because he's a great guest. I'll vouch for Ben right now. Uh, he was a guest on Ben Jarofsky Theater and Ben was not having it. And we still have him on the program. So that is correct. Oh, my God. What a memory. Ricky Hendon, you know. <laughs> You know, you know, I was so mad at you. Oh my God, what a memory. Ricky, you know. Okay, Ricky Hen is an actor, he's a comic, he does his own production stuff. And in the old days, when I first started on the radio, before I got fired, uh, we used to do this bit where it was, I would do these little stories, dramatic stories. Nobody liked them except for me. <laughs> Eventually, I no people just, liked him. The salespeople didn't like yeah, him. That's so who didn't. Like, I can't sell this shit. <laughs> no, the listeners liked it, but this is not real radio. Okay, I was definitely not made for radio. D. Let's be honest. Uh, anyway, so uh, Dennis was awesome, man, on these little theater pieces because I would make him do like up to like six or seven. Let's see if I still got it. Voices. Give me a character. Give me a character. Homer Simpson. Uh, Marge. Uh, Marge Simpson. Okay, all the Simpsons. Uh, Homer. <laughs> Lisa Simpson. Uh, Bart. <laughs> Still got it. Uh, you know, random hipster. Well, I've seen a few uh, turtles, <laughs> but no alligator, though. Uh, and uh, your uncle, uh, Eldon. Oh, come on, little Danny. Uh, yeah, see? So so people, I would just, like, give lines in there, random lines in the script. They were scripted. I actually wrote a script every day. There was a rehearsal before the show. It was more prep for anything that I've ever done in my life. And so one show, Ricky Hannon's like, I want to be in the theater. I will be on time for the rehearsal. Not only was he not on time for the rehearsal, he was late for the whole show. So we had to hold off on... Uh, doing the theater until he came in and then he comes into the studio and he just starts rewriting the script. <laughs> you know how hard it is, ladies and gentlemen, if I could just say this one more time to, um, if you have a script and you have a bunch of actors who are waiting for one person to finish his scripted line so that you can come in with your scripted line. So if you're the actor behind Ricky and he's just riffing, what are you supposed to do? I think Dr. Dog was 
Yes, Dr. Dog. Not me. I'm Dr. D. (laughs) Dr. Dog was Damien. So you're right, but I don't hold grudges that long. And I forgave him because he's such a good guest. And let's just break the fourth wall. Those skits were like three minutes and our show was three hours. So, you know, like, what about the other two hours and 50 minutes, dude? <laughs> I know. And the tendency after you do a show, like like the three minute part is like, woo, let's kick up our feet and celebrate. That was really good, guys. Let's have a drink. Uh, ben, you have a three hour show to do now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then you go to the staff meeting and the ad guy. I can't sell that shit. God damn it. <laughs> I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. All right, hipster. Thank you. See, find him at Lollapalooza. Will the gator be at Lollapalooza? I don't know. You, I guarantee you that dude's at Lala right now. Going, whoa. <laughs> All right, but uh, as I was saying here, but for some, Wednesday's announcement, we're talking about the recreational marijuana thing. Oh. But for some, Wednesday's announcement <laughs> was bittersweet. Another dear friend of the show and reoccurring guest, Vincent Normant. His group, Parkway Dispensary LLC, won a license in a region around Danville. But infighting uh, with his partners had already created an irreparable internal rift. After another company they started earned one of the 40 craft cultivation licenses awarded this month, he said his colleague moved to force him out. Normant now plans to sell his shares in the startups for up to $3 million. Normant said, quote, I'm excited on one part, and I'm disappointed that these guys didn't respect who I was and my worth and all that I contribute. I know we're going to be talking to Vincent about this sooner or later, but Ben, your thoughts when you first heard, uh, saw this? Major disappointment for Vincent. Major disappointment. And uh, he's a regular on the show. He's a great. He's another great guest. Uh, and something happened. I don't know what it was. You know, something happened with uh, uh, Vincent and his partners. They had a falling out, but he's going to, according to the bright one, Tommy Shua, he's going to sell his shares for $3 million. So, you know, I don't know, Vincent, $3 million is could go a long way. Yeah. You want to sponsor so, the show or? Yeah. You know, hey, Vincent, you want to sponsor the Ben Jarofsky show? Uh, so anyway, congratulations. Uh, I, Say congratulations for winning the license, consolations for the fallout, and invest the money wisely. All right. And like I said, I'm sure we'll be talking to Vincent Normant uh, sooner than later about all this. So be on the lookout for that interview with Vincent Normant. All right. And uh, oh, guys, guess what? I lied earlier. We do have a quick 2022 Illinois uh, gubernatorial candidate update, but it's not involving Governor Pritzker. No, it's involving one of his Republican gubernatorial challengers. Uh, this, uh, this we're talking about the right-wing advocate, the parking lot prodigy, and a man whose last name we have indeed been mispronouncing. <laughs> Gary Rabine, not uh, Rabine, uh, recently <laughs> talked one-on-one with maybe the meanest Springfield political bulldog in the yard, one Marcus Maxwell. And, well, Rabine, Ben Rabine, not Rabine, uh, went a little bit into Alex Jones' country, saying that he would not encourage people to get a COVID-19 vaccination, uh, incorrectly saying the shots were not FDA-approved and had caused thousands of deaths. I have the audio. I'd like to hear it. Here it go. Uh, you mentioned safety uh, and, and best practices moving forward. Uh, what would you tell people today who are still holding out who have not been vaccinated. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm telling them it's a free country. And, that, and, and if they feel that their, their health and that, that of their family and their community um, requires vaccination, it's free country, go get it. If, if they feel that it's not a benefit to them and you know, vaccinating with a, a vaccination that's not FDA approved, that, that if it was FDA approved, it would have been taken off the shelf about uh, 5,000 or 6,000 deaths ago, right? If they feel that that's not in their safety and, and, and uh, that, you know, it's not, it's not good for their health, then, then it, it's a free country. They should not have to take it. I, I look at uh, mandating of a of a of a, of, a, of a, this uh, this vaccine or these vaccines that are not FDA approved is crazy. I, I think that, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any stretch. I've taken many vaccines, and I will continue to in my life. But for anybody to, to think that they must take it to get a get a diploma, they must take it to go to work. Um, I think that's that's it's, it's not it's it's not in the, in the best interest, in my opinion, of health when when this is not an FDA approved. None of these are FDA approved vaccines. I want to be clear for our viewers who are watching this: the FDA has given emergency use authorization because of that rigorous process to get FDA approval. There are several steps to go through. They cleared it for emergency use, and public health experts like Dr. Fauci have predicted. Uh, I believe even the former FDA commissioner have predicted that given that many millions of Americans have had the vaccine and their uh, effectiveness, they expect that the FDA will give that full authorization. There are just a few uh, steps that they don't want to rush through. Some might call it red tape, but they, they want to make sure they're doing that process of the full authorization right. So there has been emergency use authorization. Uh, it strikes me, though, that at this moment, when there are still people holding out. That seems to be, I mean, of all the people getting sick and dying of coronavirus today, 97, 98% of them, sometimes in some places it's 99%, were unvaccinated. Aren't those preventable deaths? Yeah, I, I can't tell you if they are. All I can tell you is. All right, that's it. No, what I, by the way, Mark Maxwell is a bulldog. Shout out to him. Uh, it's, I watched pretty much the whole interview today and, he, he he comes at you. So uh, shout out to Mark uh, Maxwell. Uh, great interview there. Uh, Gary Raybine. There we go. Get it right. There we go. Gary Raybine. I want to give a shout out to a good friend of the show, Eric Zorn, who uh, texted me uh, a couple days ago saying, Ben, you've been mispronouncing it. It's Raybine. And of course, not that I don't believe everything that Eric Zorn tells me. I said, who's your source? And he goes. <laughs> Dude, I told you like six times last week. It's Raybine. You're like, I don't know, man. And uh, he said Mark Maxwell. So, Eric, you were right. It's Rabine. And I know I'll screw it up and still call him Rabine. <laughs> but uh, what a wimp. Uh, you know what they say? A rose by any other name is still a rose. What a wimp. One more time, Gary Rabine is running as a Republican in the Republican primary for the right to face off against J.B. Pritzker for governor. And he doesn't want to offend MAGA. So he's ducking. This is I mean, this one is worse, I think, than his ducking and dodging on the issue of whether the, the, the election was stolen. Maxwell hammered him on that one. But this will be the predicament that whoever the uh, Republican candidate is, probably be D.B., Darren Bailey, the big feller, uh, will probably be the uh, the winner. I don't think uh, Ray Bine can beat uh, D.B. because uh, D.B. just goes all out MAGA, you know. He goes, so Ray Bine is already worried about winning swing voters in DuPage County and uh, Lake County and, uh, uh, you know, the Gold Coast of Chicago. So he doesn't want to go 100% MAGA. But at the same time, he's got to win the primary. So he just, like, throws some red meat at MAGA and then pulls back to make it look like he's not throwing red meat at MAGA. And uh, Maxwell just had him on the ropes. 
because essentially what he was saying was, if you want to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. But I just want to say there's it hasn't been approved. Yes, it has been approved. And it's been responsible for death. No, it hasn't been responsible for death. He said, I think it was like fifty nine hundred eight thousand deaths because of the vaccine. And then he backed off on that one. Dude, just take a stand. Yeah. Hey, just pa- take a freaking stand. Hey, parking lot Either- guy, welcome to politics. You got to yeah, back up what you say. You back up what you say, or you learn the art of ducking and dodging, like J.B. Pritzker, and have so much money that you can buy out commercials and nobody will care if you're ducking and dodging. But you don't, like, either you don't have the money or you're not willing to put it in there, so all you do is duck and dodge. You sound absurd. Ducking and dodging on the vaccine, take a freaking stand on the vaccine. Just say, yes, I believe that everybody should Uh, get vaccinated because I believe that by and large, it's not unhealthy or dangerous to get the vaccine. And then by and large, it will protect people from getting really sick and possibly dying from this horrific virus. So yes, I think you should take it. And no, I don't think anyone who says don't take it is doing a public service. That doesn't mean I think people should be locked up because they don't take it, but I'm urging people to take it. But uh, so afraid of upsetting MAGA. And MAGA talks about cancel culture. Good God, they've they've just stopped all these guys in the submission. So then Gary Rabine, in, in part of the interview, he's like, you know, my like I must say, my father took it. <laughs> you didn't know. I don't think he said whether he took it or not. My father took it. That's nice of you. I and I am almost okay with that. That's really nice of you, Gary Rabine, that it's okay with you that your dear old dad took it. All over the map, but D, his you should you should see his dancing and dodging on the issue of did Donald Trump actually win the election? I don't know. I'm not an expert. You know, experts will study this. Yeah, I'm not dying to watch it, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know I care. But you know what? Here's the difference between 100% MAGA and 50% MAGA. Big fella or DB will go, yeah, they stole it. Yeah, there's no proof. Of course, he's making it up. They make up everything. But he'll say it. Yeah, don't get the vaccine. You know, but uh, yeah. Gary Rabine wants to play all, wants to be a, a candidate for all people, all the people. So it means he has to placate MAGA with some BS that's probably going to alienate a whole lot of people who are in the squishy middle, D, right? Isn't that what everybody's going for? That squishy middle. Sounds disgusting. And it's a term I've never heard before, and I hope I never hear again. <laughs> the stuff that data I'm getting shows that there's been, I mean, anywhere from you know 5,900 deaths attributed to this to 8,000. All right, that's enough, Ray Bine. Uh, yeah, Ray Bine. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that number? 59, 8,000. Where'd you get that? What a rage. Uh, I, I, I saw it on uh, Alex Jones' show. <laughs> oh, Gary. And then you know, immediately uh, they backtracked. Good job, Mark Maxwell. Good job. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. <laughs> There's a parking lot out there that is not paved. I'm going to eat my neighbor's ass and I'm going to pave that parking lot. <laughs> what was he eating? There was the neighbor's ass or was it China's ass? No, it was his neighbor's ass because it was Why like. Why was he mad at his neighbor? Because it was survival, man. Corona, you know, you got to, you know, survival of the fittest. I'm going to eat my neighbor's ass. <laughs> I thought it was China's ass. Alex Jones. <laughs> what a 
con man. All right, just one more Governor Pritzker story, and it will segue right into the news in the city of Chicago. But but first, Mark Schlossner, Weekly Crop Report, go! The Illinois corn crop is now silking on 91% of acres. 20% of acres have reached the dough stage compared to 22. So 8% of corn acres were in very poor to poor condition. 24% were fair. And 68% of Illinois corn acres were rated good to excellent. Just 20 more seconds. <laughs> Soybeans are blooming on 77% of acres compared to 65 one year ago and 71% normally. 38% of soybean acres are setting pods compared to 37 normally. 30. Soybean conditions were reported as 9% very poor to poor, 27 fair, and 64% good to excellent. Why do you people like that? I bet he's really popular. I, get, I bet he gets more hits than we get. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but does he get as many hits as Jimmy Dore? I don't think so. <laughs> or uh, Joe Rogan? No, negatory. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add about uh, that crop report we got there? I think it all, he summed it up so well. Yeah, I think he summed it up too. All right. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Governor J.B. Pritzker on Thursday signed legislation ushering in an elected school board in Chicago over the strong, strong objections of one Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I won't just turn the car around. Oh, my. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. That legislation would create a 21-seat uh, board in January 2025, initially split between 11 mayoral appointees, including the board president, and 10, count them 10, elected members. The mayor currently appoints a seven-member board, including the president, without an approval process. She has been a vocal opponent of the new legislation, characterizing it as creating an unwieldy school board. In a statement, J.B. Pritzker said the plan laid out in the bill he signed will, quote, help students and their families have a strong voice in important decisions about the education system in Chicago. Here's the quote from Pritzker, quote, I applaud the members of the General Assembly for working together on behalf of their constituents to pass legislation that required compromise and thoughtful deliberation. I look forward to ongoing conversations with the General Assembly and mayor and particularly about the district's finances, board members, compensation, and campaign rules. State Rep. Delia Ramirez, former guest on The Ben Jarofsky Show, Democrat of Chicago, who championed the bill in the House, said, I know what a significant win this bill is for the community I serve. To see it come to fruition is a testament to Chicagoans' ability to take back their power when it comes to our kids' future. Well, picking up where I left off about uh, 10 minutes ago, uh, the reason Dennis read those quotes from Pritzker as opposed to playing the recording of Pritzker saying it is that there was no public signing a ceremony on this legislation. It's perhaps the most meaningful school-related legislation of the last, oh, since they uh, gave all the power to the mayor. 1995. You could argue that the school financing bill of 2018 uh, that gave more money to the city uh, was also pretty significant as well. And believe me, there were plenty of public signing ceremonies for that one. So, yes, it's a bill that offends the powers that be in the city of Chicago. 
And I'll tell you why it offends the powers that be in the city of Chicago. It's because uh, we have a TIF program in the city of Chicago that takes, diverts hundreds of millions of dollars every year from the public schools of Chicago and puts it into slush funds that the mayor's free to dip into for whatever she wants, pretty much. Uh, and if there's an elected school board that may, may, I underscore may, because I still think corporate Chicago would probably elect a majority control of the school board, but that may upset that little sham and scam. And so uh, they don't want any kind of independence from the school board. And that's why I laugh the, when they talk about the fiduciary problems that this could cause. <laughs> we got a situation right now where the schools are losing tens of millions of dollars every year to the TIF program, but that's not a problem. All those years when the school board leaders were coming up with all these scammy financial borrowing schemes, you know, scoop and toss, whatever the hell they called it, and would cost the city, the taxpayers, millions of dollars in uh, interest, that, that we weren't supposed to be worried about that. That was prudent oversight. But somehow or other, Oh, we'd have to pretend as though it was a smooth sailing trip for the last, what's it been? 30 years of mayoral control. Of course it hasn't been. I think of all the bad ideas that the mayor of Chicago has come up with over the last 30 years that have hurt the schools, financially speaking, by diverting money from the schools to the city or by ups, like in the case of the parking meters, because they uh, sold the parking meters to a private entity, that's money that does not supplant, does not come into the city. So that forces the city to take more of the property tax dollars that might otherwise go to the schools. It has a direct impact on the financial status of the school because they're a, a board appointed school board. You didn't hear one school board member speak up about that. You didn't see one school board member denounce the dumb Olympic idea that Mayor Daley dedicated so much time and energy to and all the TIF deals. But now we're supposed to be worried about it. Now we're supposed to. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, it's going to be an elected school board. We might not just we not be we might not be able to plunder the coffers of the Chicago Public Schools for whatever dumb idea the mayor comes up with. You know, and D, I, I stand by my prediction. You watch in about, well, you may, I, I hope I'm here. I hope I'm here with us. We're talking like 10, 15 years from now. The powers that be in this city will say, oh, this is not, this experiment in democracy has gone too far. We need to give the power back to the mayor. What a weird system we have, folks. We pretend things that don't exist actually do exist. We pretend as though the all-powerful mayor is in complete and firm control and making all the right decisions that all of us believe in, even though we don't agree with any of those decisions or many of those decisions. I don't know anybody in the city of Chicago who thinks it's a good idea to sell the parking meters. Yet not one person on the school board objected to that, even though, as I said, it had a direct impact because it's a loss of money potential money, property taxes that might otherwise go to the schools, had to go to the city because the city's not getting that prop, that parking meter money. Nobody at the school board raised a fuss about that because you don't get put on the school board by the mayor if you're the kind of person that raises a fuss. You don't think, you think they're going to put a Jimmy Dore type on the school board, D? <laughs> Can you imagine Jimmy Dore on the school board? 
You know, if Jimmy Dore comes on the show, I'm going to ask him about that. What would you do if you're on the school board? Yeah, Jimmy Dore here. You know, he's from Chicago. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew you knew that. Thank God. (laughs) Science is back, baby. Whatever, man. Science is back. Except for the part about Lollapalooza in the middle of a pandemic. When I was a kid, I loved the Batman TV show. That has nothing to do with anything, Mayor. Anyway, so I'm glad you signed it, Governor Pritzker. I wish you'd had a public sign. That's all I'm saying. And I know, I know. Hey, I know. That's your guy, people. That's my imitation of another comedian. Bill Burr? Uh, very good. I wasn't going to say. I want to see if you knew it. That shows you how good that imitation or is. Or how much all of them sound the same from you. But anyway, <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Where's Doogie? You know, he's polluted your mind. They all sound the same. Yeah, like a lunatic kid. All right. Now for the rest of the Chicago news. Get your face mask. Just kidding. We don't wear those anymore. It's Lollapalooza weekend. Everyone's going to be excited. <laughs> People are going to lose their minds. I'm ready. Whoa. All righty then. You know, Lala's not just for the kids. We are all excited about this. Rock on, baby. What the hell did we just hear? Ahead of Lala's 11 a.m. kickoff today, dozens of fans lined up outside the festival's Ida B. Wells Drive, East Harrison, and Monroe Avenue entrances with proof of their COVID vaccination. Remember, Ben, I know you're going to go. You're telling these listeners you don't like it, but I know you're going to go. Don't forget your proof of vaccination. You won't get in. So uh, a quick night one recap. I mean, Ben was there, so just tolerate us. Okay, Ben? Uh, Miley Cyrus was the headliner, and she set the tone early on. There were fireworks, some memorable covers, a motley crew of guests, moments of nearly flashing the video feed cameras, and Miley Cyrus taking a stand on the important Freeing of Britney Spears. My God, it sounded like a roller coaster. Uh, ben, your thoughts on night one. What'd you think? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me my thoughts on Britney Spears. Well, sure, that I, too. Been, was, we haven't discussed that one at all on this show. I've kind of been following that from afar. Pretty bizarre case. Really weird family, by the way. What a dysfunctional family. But I think they should allow Britney Spears to have control of her uh, own life. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Her father. Have you been following that at all, D? Uh, Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. I know that's considered beneath us because we only talk about really important things. But I think it's pretty important. Anyway, uh, I'm with you. Uh, Who was it? Bill. I always get mixed up. Billy Ray is the father, right? Yes, Billy yeah. Ray is the father of Miley Cyrus. I think yeah. Miley Cyrus has surpassed uh, the singer of Achy Breaky Heart, but yes, that is okay. uh, her dad. So let's see how much you know. Uh-oh. Little Mr. I'm hip, and I know things that uh, the old guy doesn't know. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, let's see how much you know. What is the name of the rapper that Billy Ray Cyrus appears on his video? Little Nas X. How'd you know that? Yeah, it's oh my God. Very easy. <laughs> the cowboy one. Yeah. Old Town Road was the name. Yeah. Well, you know a lot. See, I just discovered this. I did a deep dive and I'm like obsessed with this because it was like uh, Little Nas X used that deep road thing to kind of make himself, what, mainstream? And then he came out with this outrageous stuff, which I kind of really like. 
Have you seen his the videos about the devil and uh, <laughs> g- getting showers in prison and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Those? I never knew you had a, a dark side there, Ben. Yeah. What can I say? I'm exposing a little bit more about myself every day. So uh, anyway, but that was a good move by uh, uh, Lil Nas X. You know, he's just like oh, mainstream America's loving all. He's got Billy Ray Cyrus. Anyway, that's I've just now pretty much exhausted my knowledge of absolutely everybody involved there. But I'm into those videos. I've watched them like five times each. Well, there you go. Uh, maybe next week you'll give us uh, your synopsis on one Justin Timberlake, just in time in uh, the year 2021. Wait a minute. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. <laughs> ben Jarofsky's a Satanist. <laughs> Damn you, Ben Jarofsky. Oh, God. <laughs> that is funny. Yes. All right. More from Mayor Lollapalightfoot. Lightfoot. Mayor Lightfoot on Thursday. <laughs> oh, by the way, sorry. Headlining tonight before we get there. Um, mm. Tyler, the creator, headlining mm. tonight. What do you think about that, Ben? Mm. Yeah, Ben, the podcast host, is clueless. I love Tyler, the creator. Mm-hmm. My favorite Tyler, the creator song is Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> Mayor Lightfoot on Thursday hinted strongly that Chicago will follow New York City's lead by requiring city employees to either show proof that they've been fully vaccinated or get tested weekly for the coronavirus right after a four day event featuring thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, already, city employees must wear masks in common areas of City Hall and other city workplaces too tight to maintain social distance and wear masks full time if they're not vaccinated, not only for their own protection, but also to safeguard their colleague. Uh, when asked Thursday about the possibility of vaccine and testing mandates, Lightfoot said it's, quote, been on our radar screen for quite a long time, really going back into the spring. She left little doubt vaccine and testing mandates for the city's 33,000 employees are coming in response to a troubling spike in coronavirus uh, cases tied to the Delta variant. She said, quote, we've had more recent conversations about it. We're starting the conversations with public unions that represent city workers and we'll be making an announcement soon. Lightfoot doesn't have a particular date for the announcement because negotiations are ongoing, but she plans to announce the new policy shortly well i uh i negotiations with the unions i'm smiling when i say that because there's unions that get along with Lori lightfoot and unions that don't get along with uh Lori lightfoot so i just imagine what those negotiations uh with the chicago teachers union are all about i don't have any objection to it d personally uh and uh I'm a big believer in getting the vaccine, as you know, as I've stated many times. Um, Perplexed by the people who and the reasons they offer for not getting the vaccine. And I've heard many, many, many reasons. I just heard one the other day, D, um, where someone is not getting the vaccine, someone who will remain anonymous because this person says, well, I'm a vegetarian. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think like bacon bits are in this thing i mean i, I so i've heard every pretty much every, i'm a vegetarian so you know look son, i we we are a, a very large and diverse country and everybody has their opinions and we're influenced by all kinds of people in different ways and who am i to say that i am any better than anyone else and i actually believe that uh, but uh i do 
nonetheless think that it is a good idea uh, to require public employees to get vaccinated, particularly if they deal with the public. And if they don't want to get vaccinated, uh, do we want to go down that road, D, where we make it mandatory? Hmm, I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I don't think we want to go down that road. And so then, okay, so then you you don't want to get the test. I mean, you don't want to get the vaccine, then you're going to have to submit to a regular test. And that's just the way it's got to be. I feel we're in the middle of a crisis. And I just want to say this um, to all my friends of the Republican persuasion, uh, Gary Rabine. We know you're listening. (laughs) All the rest of you, big feller, DB, all of you. Every single Republican in the nation who now suddenly discovered your uh, convictions, belief in liberty, and there should be no mandatory testing. Where were you? Where all that mandatory drug testing for the 80s and the 90s and the O's. Where were you? Nowhere to be found. You were declaring it a necessity. How many arguments did I have with right wingers? We got to test for it. Always want to test for reefer. Now, oh no, we have liberty. Country's insane, D. It's really hard to have like a rational, logical conversation. People are getting pulled in all different directions. So I do not have any objection whatsoever. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, go for it. Mandatory uh, either take the vaccine or get the test. They do it in the NFL. I don't know if you've been following that one, D. National Football League for those sports challenged listeners, (laughs) of which there are many. Io, that's his name, Sports Challenge listeners. Io Dasunmo, okay? The new bull. Get it right. Just call him Io. And Raybine. Raybine. Not yeah. Rabine, everybody. <laughs> D, you know, I'm gonna, you know me. I'm next week let's let's do a Gary Raybine. By the way, did you notice? Did you see the uh, did you see the video of his interview with Mark Maxwell? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got that little what old boy Ryan look? Who? You know, and Donna, he's like, he's feeling as he, he's doing like a Donald Trump Jr. Look, ah, and I, I okay. think like uh, uh, Republicans who are like 40s, 50s, they want to have that cool. They think this is like so it's like it's Donnie Trump is the one who got it going with. the. You have the beer. You know, I talked about this. Oh, boy. Ryan started it from American Idol. Who's, I always forget his last oh, name. Oh, Seacrest. Seacrest. Yeah. Yeah. He started it. And so Donnie Jr. is like, oh, I like that look. I like that Ryan Seacrest look. So now he's doing it in Gary Rabine. He's now he's got that Donald Trump Jr. look going. You know, D? He's got that little <laughs> let it not a beard. Uh-uh. Don't want it, no, no, not a beard, but let's gonna pretend like I shave every day, but I'm such a macho man that my beard just explodes within two hours. I, I, I get it, Rabine. That's like a Republican thing. Who's going to pave those parking lots? Yeah. Parking, pave paradise and put up a parking lot. Sorry. Uh, Before we uh, move on from Lollapalooza, other artists performing at Lollapalooza this weekend. We talked about Tyler, the creator. Uh, Also on Saturday, Post Malone will be performing Journey, the 80s band Journey. They are badass. That's cool that they're going to be there. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion will be there. Uh, Who would have saw this coming in 2021? Limp Biscuit will be performing on uh, Saturday at Lollapalooza. On Sunday, we're going to hear Modest Mouse, uh, Da Baby, and Foo Fighters will be performing. So, uh, hell of a weekend lined up, Ben. Mm. 
I love Carl Malone. I love that we played with Stockton and Post Malone. Good team. That was a good team. Good team. All right, we just got one more story to talk about here. Uh, I'd say uh, it was the story of the week. Will she run or won't she run? That's the question that, well, no one was really asking until she brought it up this week. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot said Monday that it's not a gimme that she will seek re-election. Live streamer Jay Marie, please contain your excitement, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Jay Marie has been pretty consistent on her feelings about uh, Lori Lightfoot from the get-go. She said it's not a gimme that she will seek re-election and crack the door open to joining Atlanta Mayor, uh, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms in saying one term is enough. The mayor recently gave the scoop to, well, no one in Chicago, not Sneed, not Feeder, not Spielman, and of course, not Jarofsky. No, she gave the scoop to a podcast called Sway. And no, that's not the dude with the head wrap on MTV. This is just its own little uh, podcast here. It's a New York Times podcast. Yes, no better uh, outlet than a New York publication to discuss your plans 12 hours away in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I have the audio. There's quite a bit of it play. Uh, so before I play it, I'm going to read the quotes about her possible re-election, just in case we don't get to it. Uh, ben, you give us your thoughts, and then we'll play the audio. Uh, by the way, how much did it kill Fran Spielman listening to this, knowing that she didn't get the scoop? Trust me, Fran, we get it, all right? We wanted the scoop, too, damn it. Lightfoot said, quote, if this was a different time and we had not been through, and uh, when I say we, I mean my wife and I, my family, but I also mean my team, it would never, it would be an easy your question to answer. It's not a gimme. The toxicity of the debate, the physical and emotional tolls that's taking on all of us. There are serious issues, the mayor told Kara Swisher on the New York Times Sway podcast. She said, "My wife uh, and I, and my daughter, my close friends, and my team, we have to be, we have to have serious conversations about why and what that would look like, and what we believe that would be able to accomplish, and could we even get it done? This is a tough time for mayors all across the country." There's a reason why there's been a slew of people saying, you know what, I'm good with one term. <laughs> she says she's very good friends with a lot of mayors who have to make this decision uh, before she does, who are feeling like they're in a different place uh, than they ever imagined they would be in. It's a tough time to be a mayor. This poor woman. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of uh, people tell her, uh, a lot of people tell her, man, you've got the worst job in the country. Uh, so, Ben, your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to quote, I think it was Monroe Anderson. Uh, earlier this week, uh, said people in power don't want to give up power. She got a lot of power when you're mayor of the city of Chicago. You have a lot of adulation. Uh, you see how hard corporate Chicago will fight uh, for essentialization. The belief being that the mayor of the city of Chicago, all you have to do is convince one person, one person to give you, let's say, a city subsidy, and you're in like Flint. So that's the amount of power the mayor has. The mayor also has the bully pulpit. So you can uh, make proclamations about all kinds of things, like vaccines, whether parks should be open. Uh, you know, I'll, you could say things like, I'm going to take your car, <laughs> kick you out. So a lot of power. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to be thinking a lot about this, Dave. This is a new theme that's emerging, I've noticed, from elected officials. J.B. Pritzker did the same thing, if you recall, just a couple of weeks ago, where J.B. Pritzker, now, to his credit, he didn't go to the New York Times and see, 
<laughs> that's, that's so Chicago mayor. That's so Chicago mayor. Chicago mayors have figured out, as I've said this many times, the further away you get from Chicago, the more people like you. So if you want to have a conversation uh, with a reporter who won't challenge you or doesn't know anything about Chicago or, you know, so like, for instance, when you say how toxic the debate is, the, you know, the, the reporter's not going to say, but what about when you told Raylo he was full of shit when he raised a legitimate question about policing issues? Because why would Kara Swisher, some reporter in New York, know about that or care about that? Can you imagine if Mark Maxwell was the reporter? Oh, watch Man. out, baby. Aww. So, uh, yeah, mayors have figured out that the way the, the best place to go, mayors of Chicago, to uh, sort of bear your soul is to New York. Rahm had that. Rahm would every now and then. They didn't have podcasts at the New York Times uh, during Rahm's day, but he would give interviews with, like, his favorite New York Times columnists like David Brooks or Thomas Friedman, and they would go, the brilliant mayor from the city of Chicago who's always thinking grand new strategies for dealing with our dwindling assets. How could a city run more effectively? Mayor Rahm up early, riding his bicycle, swimming in a pool, and reading texts like they make him seem like this great, hardworking, brilliant, innovative leader. And I was like, oh, that's the kind of that's the kind of press you'll never get in the city of Chicago. So uh, so now they don't go to the columnist. They go to the uh, the podcaster. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. And I, I yeah, you don't want to go it. where someone has like, I don't know, all the facts. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> oh lord so anyway i don't blame her for doing that she uh learned that from rom and uh, mayor daly got it i remember the favorable write-up mayor daly got from the new yorker oh my god you would have thought this guy walked on water mayor daly you know uh what a great mayor he's figured out a way to deal with what can't be done an ungovernable city we could study how to make cities work by studying Mayor Daly. That was like the theme. That's always like the theme. Come to Chicago and see how it works. And then, of course, it doesn't really work in the city of Chicago, except for a handful of people who are benefiting from it. So anyway, uh, but the other part point I wanted to make, D, was that this is uh, you know, JB did it, too. It's sort of like he put out the, you know, I don't know. It's not a great job. I'm like doing you a favor by being your mayor, or being your governor. And then people beg, beg, please stay. I'd say I'd say Pritzker left a little more mystery. Uh, the, these quotes here from Lightfoot just kind of seem like she's ve- calling to it very much. You know what I mean? Pritzker was a little more mysterious about it, right? Yes, I think uh, Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot has a, probably a deeper understanding of uh, Chicagoans. You can't be subtle with them. You gotta hit it hard. <laughs> You know, you, you get too subtle and suggest that you might not run. A lot of people may miss it. So you have to come right at them. Chicago's, Chicagoans, not the smartest people in the world. Okay? So be direct. It's not a gimme. And, <laughs> uh, but you know what's funny, D? They always say that. Uh, whenever I, people always say, ah, oh, it's a terrible job. No one, well, I would never want it. These are people say this are people who would never in a million years think of running for office. You know, I would never want that job. What a horrible job. It's the toughest job. And yet every year when it's open, the line of people stretching out the door to, that to run. Unbelievable. You can't even get them on a show because there's so many of them. There was literally like 30. 
Yeah. And New York just had 14 just in the Democratic primary. Was it 30 in Chicago the last time? It was like almost 30. I remember there was like people rumored to be up to like 30. Yeah. Oh, my God. We had so much fun with that. Yeah. We had the gubernatorial we, candidate uh, up or uh, challenge. Yeah. Mayoral, mayoral candidate. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 The mayoral candidate challenge. How many mayoral candidates can you name in 30 seconds? Yes. Don't ask David Ferris, but oh my God, David Ferris! You know I love you, but <laughs> why did you flunk that? The man knows a lot about national politics. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was great. Somebody, I think Carlos Ramirez Rosa passed it. Somebody actually got it right. Yeah, they, they were really good. I just biked around Lake Michigan. Hey, not now, Mayor Ron. Nearly a thousand miles. Come on, that's pr- that, that's that, that is proof. That's Mayor Rom on the George Stephanopoulos show. Only George Stephanopoulos would think that Mayor Rahm, having Mayor Rahm would be like a credible human being. This is the guy who buried evidence of a murder, Stephanopoulos. Well, you know, just one murder. Anyway, I have the audio here. I have the audio here from New York Times. I'm glad we got that quote out of the way because, like I said, it's a pretty long interview. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll get to that actual part. So let's just hear it. Uh, Shout out to not the Ben Jarofsky show because she didn't come on this program to talk about it. Sway all the way in New York. Here we go. So you came to office, as I said, in May of 2019. You're now two years in, just halfway through your first term. Tell me what you think your biggest win and your biggest, I guess, loss has been. Well, I think that we have already taken some pretty important steps to break up a status quo that was really holding people back. By the way, real quick, what are the chances that's Google Meet they're talking on right now? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty slim. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are a very segregated city. The north side is overwhelmingly white, west and south sides, black and brown. So we committed 750 million city dollars towards investing in black and brown neighborhoods with the idea that we raise well over a billion dollars in economic investment. And even through the pandemic year, we pushed 70 million dollars out into 10 communities, 12 different commercial corridors, and we attracted 300 million additional dollars through private investment and philanthropic investment in these communities. You know, when I came into office, a lot of people were like, well, we don't know this Lightfoot woman. She doesn't seem to understand business. She doesn't seem to understand this and that. I mean, those are very common tropes thrown against women, people of color. But what I do know is that if our city doesn't grow by investing in neighborhoods that have been long ignored, all of the challenges of violence, healthcare disparities, life expectancy, those will continue to deepen. I think the biggest challenge, obviously, that we face is the pandemic. There absolutely is no playbook for that. I don't know that of any mayor, and I speak regularly with my peers across the country, who was prepared to deal with the incredibly difficult, nuanced challenges. And then on top of that, the huge economic meltdown, coupled with massive civic unrest, an important focus on systemic racism, all of those things being compressed together in about six months time. That was a huge, huge challenge. What about your sound bites, Mayor? Sound bites, but go ahead. <laughs> all right. Uh, wow. Well, first of all, I broke it into two sections. Uh, she went on a tangent about uh, people when she got elected. We don't know that Lightfoot, that Mayor Lightfoot woman, like they were uncertain. 
She got elected with 75% of the vote. Okay. It wasn't like Chicagoans were dubious about Mayor Laura. I voted for her. (laughs) Nobody, I never heard anybody say that Mayor Lightfoot wouldn't know business. She was a corporate lawyer. If there's anything she knows, it's taking care of business. Nope. D, I hang around a lot of lefties. I hang around a lot of mayor all critics. I never heard one person say that Lori Lightfoot wouldn't understand business. Business community loved her. They supported her. Both editorial boards worshipped her. 75% of the vote. So that's part of this narrative that politicians like to create which is like everybody's against them. Nobody likes them and they're misunderstood. 75%. I'm baffles me, but you know, I mean, again, a New York reporter, how would she know that to question it? And then the other thing, Oh my God, D we're out of time. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. 750. Yes, the north side is mostly white and uh, relatively affluent compared to the rest of the city. And yes, we have our economic development programs largely favor our wealthiest, most gentrifying neighborhoods. That has continued into the Lightfoot era. Mayor Rahm used to do the same thing. He would take every single nickel that you could possibly claim is going to the west or south side put it in a pot to make it the most grandiose figure you can come up with and say only i have invested this money in these poor south and west side communities and they never mention 1.2 a billion with a b going to one north side neighborhood lincoln yards i can hear lori life with the people say but ben the actual vote took place before Mayor Lori Lightfoot took office. Yeah, but she didn't fight it. And then she went to court to fight the case that was trying to defeat it. She sent lawyers for the city into court to battle the lefties who were trying to get the judge to rule against the Lincoln Yards plan. So she owns it. $1.2 billion for one gentrifying neighborhood on the already affluent north side versus $750 million for all the south and west side. This is the policy of the city of Chicago when it comes to spending economic development dollars that began with Richie, well, began with Richard J. Daly, but really began with Richard M. Daly, was followed by Rahm, and now Lori Lightfoot. And... I have to say this about Lori Lightfoot in her defense. Yes, the pandemic was like put a stop to a lot of development and a lot of investment. But before the pandemic and after it, I saw no signs from Lori Lightfoot's administration that they were going to end this inequitable distribution of money. And so, D, that's why... That is another reason why a Chicago mayor goes on a New York. Well, you know what? I mean, I don't know how many Chicago reporters were questioning that one either, but that you can guarantee that someone from the New York times is not going to go. Well, actually mayor, uh, Madam mayor, uh, what about that Lincoln yards plan? The $1.2 billion to mayor. How does she know about that? 
Are you reading that commie guy in the reader? <laughs> Are you listening to that show with the guy in the attic overlooking the porta potty? <laughs> so I, I, you know. I, by the way, when you start doing those that kind of recitation about all the money you're spending on the the west and the south sides, without mentioning the one point two a billion with a B on the north side, one neighborhood, just one neighborhood, um, kind of a sign that you're running for re-election. Just say it. <laughs> Very true. And uh, yeah, we went from uh, only giving uh, reporters of color interviews to uh, people not of Chicago interviews. <laughs> That's see, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point, D. I forgot all about that one. Let's hear a little more of uh, her interview uh, on this New York Times podcast, not Chicago podcast sway. I agree. These are all like massive challenges. But what do you imagine for yourself that you would do differently? You've been criticized for your adversarial style. One a June 2021 article in the Chicago Sun-Times quoted a source saying Rahm Emanuel was abrasive. But if he's sandpaper, Lori Lightfoot is a belt sander. I've read so many pieces in the different publications in Chicago about tensions. Obviously, I know you don't read the Chicago Tribune or you've gotten rid of your subscription. They called you irascible at one point. <laughs> and you've noticed, you're laughing, um, I've been called irascible, so I, I get that. Um, <laughs> female leaders get that all the time. Yeah. Some of it is fair and some of it is not, obviously. Do you think there's any truth to this criticism in your case? Yeah, you know, I, I don't take that criticism with a whole lot of seriousness. Mm -hmm. Look, I came into office to push people out of their comfort zone. And I've done that. And I will continue to do that unapologetically. And a lot of people don't think that's women's place. A lot of people don't think it's a person of color's place. I think I get less pushback because of my sexual orientation, but roll it all up. I'm black, I'm female, I'm a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And no one expected me to win. And Early on, after I was elected, a lot of people came to me trying to cut the same old kind of deals, the backroom mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not who I am. And they're like, wait, you actually meant that, what mm -hmm. you said on the campaign trail? I'm like, yes, I did. And yeah, I, I'm tough. There's no question about it. You don't get to be a black woman going to the places that I've been, whether it's a federal prosecutor, whether it's a senior equity partner at a, one of the largest law firms in the world, by letting people walk all over you mm -hmm. and not fighting for your place at the table. Does that make some people angry and upset? It does. But I'm not going to apologize for being an advocate for the things that I think are really important mm -hmm. for our city. I mean, it's not. Oh, Fran Spielman would have ate her lunch on that one. <laughs> yeah. Let me just point out this. Uh, this is a favorite narrative of Lori Lightfoot's uh, that she uh, has to be really tough. Uh, because she's pushing people out of their comfort zone. And I just want to point out, good friend of the show, who's been on the show many times, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor of uh, the 20th Ward. Uh, I don't know what comfort zone Lori Lightfoot thought Jeanette Taylor occupied that she was pushing her out of. Jeanette Taylor generally stands up for the, the, the people with the least amount of power uh, in the city of Chicago stands for people in the neighborhoods that Lori Lightfoot just got finished saying she wants to uh, help the most. And so what did she do with Jeanette Taylor when Jeanette Taylor disagreed with her about how uh, Lori Lightfoot's administration had treated uh, Ann Jeanette Young, another black woman 
I don't know what comfort zone Anjanette Young was occupying uh, that Lori Lightfoot was standing up to. But what Lori Lightfoot did, Kara Swisher, was she got down from the podium, walked across the city council floor and got in her face, finger in the face public humiliation of Jeanette Taylor because Jeanette Taylor had the audacity. Jeanette Taylor, a black woman from the 20th ward, a very poor ward on the south side of Chicago. Jeanette Taylor, whose whole career as a community activist had been standing up for people, powerless people, Kara Swisher of the New York Times. Powerless. Not, this is not about corporate lawyers standing up for themselves in a corporate boardroom. This is not about people at the top of the ladder at the New York Times or other media outlets fighting to get respect in the corporate board, which is important fights. No, this is a matter of survival in very poor neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Jeanette Taylor has been on the front lines for 20 years. And what did Lori Lightfoot do? She got right in her face. I would have really loved and cheered had Lori Lightfoot gotten publicly in the face of those developers who took the $1.2 a billion with a B public dollars, property tax dollars to finance their upscale development and already gentrifying a neighborhood on the north side of Chicago. But no. Jeanette Taylor was the one who got it. So I got a little problem with this narrative that she's only tough because she's pushing people out of the comfort zone. I don't know what comfort zone Jeanette Taylor operated out of. I don't know what comfort zone Anjanette Young uh, operated out of. I don't even know. Raylo. Raymond Lope. I don't know what comfort zone he. Now, Raylo represents uh, working class Hispanic and black ward on the southwest side of Chicago that was hit hard by the looting and the uh, following the murder of George Floyd. So I don't know what comfort zone he's in. I don't agree with Ray Lowe on about 90% of the things in the world. But I don't know what comfort zone Mayor Leifert was pushing him out of. So this narrative, D, that you have to be mean and nasty because, what, you're championing radical ideas that are helping people? I don't buy it. First of all, I don't see the radical ideas that are really helping people, number one. And number two, I'm looking at the people she's picking on, and they're taking definitely Jeanette Taylor putting her in this category. They're standing up for the very people you say you want to stand up for. And by the way, where's the apology to JT, Jeanette Taylor? Hasn't come yet. So, I, this, you know, this whole notion that you got to be tough and mean in the city of Chicago to do the difficult jobs, I don't see any of the difficult jobs getting done. <laughs> it's sort of like the same old, same old. But, you know, I will give her this point. And this is an important point that I will concede to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I didn't see the Sun-Times and the Tribune editorialize against Mayor Rahm's nastiness. No, they let him put up articles about the train or whatever, right? Yeah, well, that was a new... Oh, that's the New York Times. <laughs> Speak of it. Thank you. That was the New York Times. Folks, I am now going to say something. No offense, New York Times, but I have to say this. If you see something in the New York Times <laughs> written by a Chicago mayor or featuring a Chicago mayor, don't believe it. New York Times, man, these reporters are so hard. <laughs> They're so hard on Donald Trump. 
But when he gets to a Chicago mayor, well, you raise a great point, Madam Mayor. I understand. I don't know. I'm just saying, Karis Wisher, Jeanette Taylor, you should go talk to Jeanette Taylor. Hear what Jeanette Taylor has to say about getting pushed out of her comfort zone. Just saying, D. Just saying. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Well, at least she wasn't doing the interview. And hey, I tell you what, New York, why don't you let us get de Blasio on our show and we'll show you how it's done, you know? First question, de Blasio, Amazon deal. Come on. Let's talk turkey. All right, I think that's all we're going to play from that uh, interview from New York Times. Ben, your overall thoughts on that one? Uh, completely forgettable, embarrassing. <laughs> New York Times, shame, shame on you. And I, I stand by. I think the New York Times should now uh, be penalized and not allowed to interview a Chicago mayor or uh, print any article by a Chicago mayor for 10 years. 10 years, okay? That's it. Just write about Washington. Okay, stay out of Chicago. Yeah, no, no. It's get- embarrassing when you do Chicago stuff. That I forgot about that editorial by Rahm in the New York Times was one of the dumbest editorials I've ever seen, and they printed it. And then Rahm said he was misquoted in his own editorial. It's that was the one where Rahm was taking credit for the the trains running well in Chicago. So New York was having troubles with its subways. So here's Rom always ready to, you know, I take advantage of somebody else's problems. Oh, we were, we, we have a great CTA, a public transportation system in our city. But you had the feeling that Rom himself was driving the train. That's hence the joke. Whenever the Brown line goes by, Oh, there's Rom riding the train. That's the origins of that joke. People Rom made everybody feel like, he was in charge, and he knew how to run. Tra- and so then he goes, the trains run on time. And so then uh, people said, well, that was a Mussolini uh, reference. And uh, Rob said, well, I didn't write it. It was in the headline. And then I'm like, well, nope, it's actually in the article itself. Apparently, not only didn't you write the article, you didn't read it. So, hey, But I read it for you, Rob. He's smart. You're not. Remember that. Yeah, that is for sure. Yeah, get de Blasio on our show. We'll, we'll grill him, man. <laughs> hey, Mayor de Blasio, you know, you look very similar to Chicago gardening guru Mike Novak. Who the hell's that? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> and hey, New York Times, get Raylo on the show. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think oh, we want to fuck you then, wow. who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? <laughs> it may be like the 300th time I've heard it, but man, I still get the same reaction every time. Unbelievable. Apparently, the New York Times is not aware of Raylo, not aware of the 15th Ward. Wait a minute. She said you're full of shit to an alderman? Quick, let's redo the interview. So there you are, everybody. That is the week that was in Chicago and or Illinois. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews. By the way, Ben, who do we got on deck for uh, this weekend's bonus? We have uh, Ramana Hussein is coming on. We have, oh my God, I can't remember. Oh, how can I forget? Miles Comp Lassen is coming on. Uh, and we have a, uh, well, if I think we have uh, Maya and myself uh, talking about lawyers. So we have some good drops this weekend. Uh, my, the Miles, the Ramana one and Miles one were done in the last couple days. Real good stuff. Are you talking about the, the one you did the live show? A recording of the live show? Are you, bring, are you talking about that one? 
Yes. All right. I'm going to try my best. That I got to get the disc in Portage Park. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll see if I can get. The, <laughs> I don't have a car. Got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I mean, by the way, one more time. Tuesday, six thirty hideout. Judge Timothy Evans will be joining Maya and myself, and we'll be talking about all the issues, uh, really the uh, judicial issues. And you know, are, are the judges, as David Brown and Lori Lightfoot for a while, alleging uh, being too easy and letting people out? Is that for the? Is that the reason the crime is going up? Uh, that'll be one of the topics we'll be discussing. Yeah, also top uh, talk some political stuff with him, reminiscing about his days as an alderman in the '80s when he was Harold Washington's floor leader and he ran for mayor. So some old stuff, some new stuff with uh, Timothy Evans. Check out the first Tuesday show. It's coming up. August is already here, guys. It's next week. So that's coming up. This coming up Tuesday at the hideout, 1354 West Wabonzia. I just know the address off the top of my head. And uh, check out the Benny J. Bonus interviews available at ChicagoReader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. If you're on one of those, like Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever, Hey, give us a review. And remember the rule. Five stars only, all right? That's all we want. Five stars only. Uh, Send us an email. BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show at gmail.com. You can send us or you can reach reach us on social media at BennyJShow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. And just like Doogie's voicemail, you could call the Ben Jarofsky Show, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Four seven eight eight. We'd love to hear from you. All right, very good. I want to thank uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And you know, back home in Alton, whenever they see him, they go apples, peaches, pumpkin pie. Yeah, they call him Doctor D. Back in Alton, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yes. Yes. That's billion with a B. I want an answer. I want an answer.